Hey, what's going on all you fiction peddlers out there? Today's show is brought to you by Zipix Toothpicks, which is the perfect company, the perfect product for all of you smokers out there who need to curb those nicotine cravings that you get from time to time, but you're not in the place where you can actually smoke. Maybe it's cold out. Maybe you're in the office or you're in a restaurant and they don't allow it. Maybe you're in the car. Who knows when these cravings are going to strike us, right? Well, the guys over at Zipix Toothpicks have come up with the perfect product to help curb those cravings, and they are nicotine-infused flavored toothpicks. They have a variety of different flavors. You, ju- you can just take out a toothpick, pop it in your mouth, chew on it, suck on it, get that nicotine fix that you desperately need, and you can do it in the comfort of Any location that you're in, with the company you're in, you don't have to worry about smoke or smell or tasting like cigarettes afterwards. These are cheaper than all of the other over-the-counter smokeless alternatives. It's a really cool solution to a a, a very big problem that smokers face. So go to ZipixToothpicks.com. Use my promo code FICTION so they know I sent you. You'll get 10% off your order. That is Zipix, Z-I, P as in Paul, P as in Paul, I-X, toothpicks.com promo code fiction and even if you're not a big smoker maybe you don't have nicotine cravings but you get caffeine cravings from time to time or you need a little pick-me-up and you don't have time to brew a pot of coffee maybe you're out of coffee maybe you're on the road or something they got you covered over at Zipix Toothpicks as well. They've got B12 and caffeine-infused toothpicks to give you that boost of energy that you need throughout the day. I've also heard that they're very good at mitigating the symptoms of a hangover if you tied one off the other night and you're you're feeling a little groggy in the morning. You can pop one of these toothpicks in and you'll be back on your feet in no time. So go check them out at ZipixToothpicks.com, promo code FICTION. All right. Let's start the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Peddling Fiction Podcast. I am your host, the one and only voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. It is Friday, so happy Friday, everybody. So glad that this week is over. Man, this was, um, oh, it was a really fun week for me, but I was just very busy and just not getting a whole lot of sleep. Everybody's working for the weekend, and it's finally here, so let's have a little fun today. I don't know how long I'm going to go. I have a few things that I want to talk about, but there's there's not that much really going on. Um, I, w- I want to follow up to you know some of the stories that we've talked about in the past and uh, deal with this inflation issue that I teased on the last episode. But I do have some company coming over this afternoon for a little uh, pool side action. And man, there's just been a lot of a lot of cool stuff going on this week. You know, I was on the I finally recorded the actual Anarchy podcast with those guys on Wednesday night, 
and I just had a blast. It was we went for almost three hours, and they do it's a live stream. So, um, but the the first like you know forty five minutes or so is just sort of us kind of shooting the breeze, and that's for their um, you know their paid subscribers or something like that. And then we do a movie review, and I chose to do Desperado. I don't know if I've I might have mentioned that on the show before. I can't remember. But that was the movie that we did, which was just <laughs> I hadn't watched that movie in so long, but it's what a great little fucking blast from the past that was. So we had a, a lot of fun talking about that. And if you're not familiar with their podcast, they do movie reviews from an anarcho-capitalist libertarian point of view. So we find they they do an actual movie review and these guys really know what they talk. They've been watching a lot of movies. They've been doing this for like I think 4 or 5 years now in the, its current format and they were doing something before that as well. So they're like they know like all these directors and shit. I have no idea who most of these people are that they're talking about, but um, you actually do a movie review and then you find, you know, elements of libertarianism or topics that you can kind of uh, discuss based off of what was happening in the movie. And it was just a lot of fun, man. We went all night. I mean, they're um, they're on the uh, West Coast. They're out in Washington. So I'm a couple hours ahead. We started a little after eight. And yeah, I finished at like uh, 11 something. Um, so yeah, it was... It was a lot of fun. I, I can't wait. I did get them to commit to bring me back on to do Point Break, which is going to be fucking amazing. Love that movie. I could probably recite the whole thing just from memory, but I will be back on with those guys at some point to do Point Break. And one of the reasons why I picked Desperado was because it was part of a trilogy. And I was down here in Mexico, so we were doing sort of like a, it was a Cinco de Mayo special. Because they're actually doing all the Matrix movies this week, or this month, for a Matrix kind of thing. You know, a little play on words there. Which, I, I can't um, I, I can't imagine a better group of movies to do from like a, a libertarian standpoint than the Matrix. But So that that's going to be really cool. But they, they brought me on for Cinco de Mayo as sort of like a little special. So I picked a Mexican movie, but also part of a trilogy just in case it, it went well. They got to have me on to do the other two other two movies but um i'd rather do point break with them <laughs> so i i think I'd, i convinced them to have me back on but yeah had, had a lot of fun i can't believe they put up with me for that long <laughs> but uh it, it was a lot of fun getting to know those guys and um that is up on i know it's up on youtube so i i don't know how else to, to find them it's the actual anarchy podcast i'm sure they have it up on all the uh, the normal podcast things, but if you want to watch the the video, I linked to it on Twitter. I tweeted it out or something like that. But they're on YouTube, so you can go check that out if you got some free time and you want to stare at my mug for a couple hours. That's uh, that's something you guys should do this weekend. And then the other thing that's been going on down here, I have no idea. I still don't know what this is, but I mentioned it on the uh, the pre-show, I think, with the actual Anarchy guys because they were. They were filming, we started right around 8 o'clock, which is sunset now here is about 8.30. It's getting later and later. And there is like some sort of bikini supermodel convention going on just like right down the beach at the Hilton. So there's like, I don't know, like two dozen of the most beautiful women you've ever seen in your life doing bikini photo shoots every day at sunset for like the last few days, which... By the way, I couldn't help but think of Photo IQ, 
which I, I, I don't think um, I, I, he had to migrate to like a new platform or something. So I don't think he's uh, he's sponsoring the show anymore which is unfortunate. Hopefully you guys were able to take advantage of that deal before it went away. But my God, dude, these cameramen, I, I can't, dude, th there's no better ad for Photo IQ than what these guys get to do every day for a living, man. Um, I didn't see one female camera guy <laughs> this entire time. It was just a bunch of dudes and they get up close and personal with these models. And these are, you know, these are models. They're not like, um, those fashion models that are all like skinny and, and gangly and everything. No, no, dude, Th these girls got back and uh, these guys are right up in it with these cameras, just having the fucking time of their lives and they're getting paid for it. You could get guys to pay in order to have the job that they have. And man, if you had any photography skills whatsoever, that this would be a great use for them. It's tempting to just go buy a camera and pretend to be a professional photographer and see how long I could get away with it. But anyway, um, I probably should have tied Photo IQ into taking pictures of girls in bikinis all day for a living, because that would have been a great way to, to push the, the product on you guys, I'm sure. Anyway, I have no idea how when they started this. I found them the other night because I go, uh, like sometimes I walk the beach for sunset, you know, if I want a little change of pace. And, and I'm walking on the beach and I, I start, I see all these people and I'm like, oh, what's going on over here? There's something going on. And then it turns out, yeah, it's uh, a, a bunch of bikini models rolling around in the sand taking pictures. And um, so that has been a lot of fun to, to uh, watch during sunset. And my goal, if they're still there today, because now it's Friday. Uh, my my goal is to try to get them to come to the pool and take some pictures here because I have a really photogenic pool, which would just be phenomenal to have, I don't know, a couple dozen supermodels up here taking uh, pictures in the, like we have the mirror pool, you know, sort of like the first 10 or 15 feet of the pool is only a couple inches of water. And it's an infinity pool that looks over the beach right into the sunset. So I've been dreaming about that since, <laughs> since I found these guys. I'm trying to figure out an approach that wouldn't be too creepy. Other than, hey, why don't you bring all your supermodels over to uh, my pool away from prying eyes so that I can personally just skis on them the whole time. <laughs> oh, man, but wouldn't that, that would be fucking legendary. So we'll see if um, I can make that happen. That is my goal for the weekend if they're still there. I don't know how much longer they're going to be doing this, but they've gotten like two or three days worth of shots on the beach. I, I, I think it's time. I think it's time for some pool shots, so. We'll see if I can pull that off today. Wish me luck on that. All right, uh, yeah, that's enough of that. We, I think we can uh, dive into the show here. I, I did see just this morning that uh, Jen Psaki, the uh, White House press secretary, has she? I guess she was doing um, Axelrod's podcast, David Axelrod, on CNN, and a couple big headlines have come out of that. I guess the one I think is blown way out of proportion, where she, she said that you know they. They advise President Biden to not take questions like yeah, no shit. Obviously, they do that. So I don't understand why that's such a big story or they're trying to make that a big story. There, there's plenty of things that you could hit Biden for. That's just I, I don't know. That's just sort of a given. But apparently she's she's planning on stepping down next year. I think one year as press secretary is is enough for anybody. I You know, this job, it, nobody can really fucking take it. If you last more than like a year at that position, you might be psychotic. There's there's something about just having to bullshit constantly, and everybody knows it's bullshit, which is like, 
it's one of those like the theater things, so the, this ritualistic theater of the absurd that they do in government. Like we we go through this thing, like the press is there, they have scripted questions. You know she's only taking certain questions. She's not like Trump what it would go around and like you never knew what, what he was gonna say or who he was gonna call on. This is the return to normal, right? The this bullshit thing that we do for no reason. Like we know she's she's never gonna give you an honest answer. Her exact job description is literally to lie to you, to spin everything, to circle back all that stuff. You never get an answer to anything. It's it's all just a bunch of nothing. And I don't know why we go through this every day or why anybody pays attention to it. But it must be a really tough job to just be up there and have to constantly bullshit and you can't say what you really want to say. So yeah, I guess she's uh she's planning her exit. And she gave like this really weird explanation here the quote is like i think there frankly needs to be diverse spaces and voices as communicators women certainly but beyond that and that's just such a gen sake sing-songy bullshit answer to a question too it's like oh god yeah we're not diverse enough with who's lying to the press today anyway i can't wait to see who fills that position i'm going to go way out on a limb and venture to guess that it will be a woman of color which color i don't know but it won't be a white woman that's for sure it will be black or brown or something of that persuasion you know maybe an asian one we haven't seen an asian one and there is at least i don't think we've seen an asian one and there's all this like anti-asian stuff going around now and they're trying to pass like legislation that says like you can't be mean to asians so maybe he'll pick an asian woman as the the next uh, press secretary I think that's going to be my prediction. So write that down. Let's see if I get that one right. But really, uh, what I wanted to focus today's show on is, and I mentioned it toward the end of the last episode, and I was just running out of time, is inflation. And we actually talked about this on the actual Anarchy podcast after toward the end of the show. We are starting to see a lot of the effects of inflation manifest itself in increased prices and there's a lot of anecdotal evidence to this but there's also a lot of just statistics that that bear this out and i think we're really we're really getting into some uh troubling territory here this is also coming on the back of of this push from the biden administration you know they want to have all these big spending programs. They want to have a $15 an hour minimum wage. So like in addition to all the inflation that's already been created and is starting to circulate through the economy, you have all these other factors that are going to help push prices up as well. But before we dive into those numbers, let's um let's take a step back real quick and I just want to go through cuz I, I was reading this article that was on I think I found it on Zero yeah, Zero Hedge. And it's they've been talking about these uh, food service AI robots for years now, um, at least you know five, six, seven years. Every time there's a, a push for the minimum wage, and it's like you know uh, the typical minimum wage uh, poster boy is the the burger flipper or the French fry guy at McDonald's, right? And this is like who Bernie Sanders goes and marches with and everything like that in the fight for fifteen. The problem with that is. The real, like we've talked about on the show before, the real minimum wage is zero. And the higher up you artificially drive the cost of labor, the more attractive 
machinery, AI robots gets because yes, it is a it is a big upfront cost to the to the industry, to the restaurant to buy all this equipment, invest in it and all that stuff. It's more money up front, but over the long term, if they're going to keep, you know, artificially increasing the cost of human labor, these machines could uh, prove to be more attractive. And, you know, the restaurant industry, the uh, well, not the restaurant industry, they, they call it the quick service restaurant industry, QSR. But the fast food industry in general is just ripe for the picking with these robots. And we're starting to get to the, the level of technology where this is really, really feasible. Because, you know, think about the the whole idea of fast food, right? It rests on two things, right? You need, you need efficiency, right? You got to get the, the hot, fresh food really quickly, right? And you need consistency. You want the the chain restaurant to be the same everywhere. If you go to a McDonald's here uh, in, I'm in Mexico, you want it to be the same as the McDonald's you get in, I don't know, Canada or something like that. You want the, the burger to be the same. And let's face it, it's not like these the fast food industry needs like uh, the human touch of, of a chef's touch or something like that. No, no, no. This is all, it's down to a science. You need the exact same recipe over and over and over again. And that's basically what they're doing to their employees. They're trying to train these employees, these fast food workers to be robots. They want them to do the same thing over and over and over again as quickly as possible. It's it, it's basically just factory work, assembly line work, but to make to assemble food, right? Oh, and if you haven't watched that uh was it the founder? It, it's sort of like that that movie that's based off of the uh the guy that um found founded or created McDonald's or whatever. Great movie actually. I really enjoyed it. But anyway, there's this company, it's called Miso Robotics. They are apparently leading the the transformation with these cloud connected workstations where they have these ai robots they're, they're named flippy they can grill burgers and they can work the fryer at every bit as seamlessly as a human cook so apparently the um the fast food industry is valued at about 870 billion dollars worldwide and in the U.S. alone, this sector comprises more than 280,000 restaurant locations, and their operating costs run in excess of $70 billion. Now, a high percentage of that cost goes to paying the staff, goes to training the staff. Like, think of all the, the problems that you have with human employees that the robots would instantly cure, right? It's like... Um, there's there's really high turnover in the, this industry. I mean, for good reason. It's not a very fulfilling job flipping burgers and, and making French fries, right? This these are what minimum jobs, uh, minimum wage jobs were designed to be. You know, like an entry level position for some teenage kid who doesn't need, um, you know, he doesn't have a family of four, he doesn't have a mortgage or anything. He's just looking to make a few bucks so he could take a girl out to to dinner or movies or something on a Friday night. Um, he doesn't have any overhead. You know, he lives at home with his parents. These are, these are the kind of jobs that kids, that get kids that, that first step on the job ladder, right? But the problem is with people, you know, they get sick, they make mistakes, they need vacations, they need time off. All of that goes away when you replace a human with a robot. They never get sick. They never need any time off. They don't have to sleep. They don't have to take lunch breaks. They they don't do anything. They could just run 
con- they, 24 hours a day, seven days a week if you really wanted to. And you just need like one person there to sort of oversee the operation and make sure that you know all the things are full for the, the robot to do and, and make sure it doesn't like uh, there's no malfunctions or anything like that. But also think of the precision the, that a robot, bre- like they're never going to forget to not put mayonnaise on your burger or something like that because it's it's a fucking computer. As long as you input what exactly what you want, it's going to do exactly that every single time. So the efficiency is the there they're, they're going to be more efficient than a than a human and the consistency is going to be there because it, it, there's there's nothing more precise than a fucking computer operated robot right um you program that shit in and it's going to do the exact same thing over and over and over again without making a mistake without needing a break without complaining you know uh there's not going to be any like wrongful termination suits they're not going to quit on you you don't have to train it like think of how much how much time and money is spent hiring interviewing hiring re- uh, training and retraining employees at these at these fast food restaurants I mean, it, it, that's got to be, you know, turnover is, is a huge problem. And this this goes back to like the whole Henry Ford thing, which is, you know, there's this huge myth about why Henry Ford paid his workers $5 an hour, which was like the highest wage out of anybody back at the turn of the century, right? People who don't understand economics attribute it to this, like, I don't know where this line came up, but it's like, I, I want my employees to be able to afford the car that they're making or something like that. That is just absolutely ridiculous. Even if he did, I don't know if that's a true quote or not, but even if he did say that, that's bullshit. Like that's that would just be like a vendor financing scheme. Like you're overpaying your employees just so that they can give you that money back to buy your car. That that doesn't make any sense at all. The reason he paid his workers the highest wage in the fucking world at the time was because he was having huge problems with turnover. Okay, and it was costing him a fortune and was driving him crazy to have to keep replacing workers that got burnt out, that weren't making enough money, and having to retrain them constantly. It was a big problem for him. So he voluntarily decided to pay his workers $5 an hour. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot, but you have to remember the time that they were in. Right back at the, at the turn of the century, when we didn't, first of all, there was no income tax. Okay, there was no there was no Federal Reserve, no income tax, no Medicare, no Medicaid, no um, welfare. There was nothing. So when you made five dollars an hour, you got to keep five dollars an hour. There was no tax taken out of it. There was no nothing taken out of it. You didn't have to pay into Social Security or anything like that. You kept the entire five dollars. And we remember, we were on the gold standard, right? So one ounce of gold was worth $20, right? So you could take your your uh, $20 and exchange it for an ounce of gold. Think about that. An ounce of gold right now is over $1,800. Oh, God, I, keep, I just realized I was saying $5 an hour. It wasn't $5 an hour. It's $5 a day. <laughs> Sorry. $5 a day. I beg your pardon. But yeah, so like in a week, you're making like $1,800, in today's uh, equivalent uh, of purchasing power, right? So these guys were making a, a really nice living. But the the point of it is, is was that it didn't require some government agency to come in and be like, you have to pay your workers a living wage, blah, 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 blah. No, no, this was market forces. It just made sense. It made economic sense for him to pay them that much money. It didn't take some agency, some bureaucrat to come in and force them to raise the, the, the price of labor. They, they did it voluntarily. 
and it, it worked out, you know, it was like one of those free market win-win situations that you get from volunteerism, right? He need, he had a problem with turnover. He had a problem with getting good employees, right? It, and believe me, once, once word gets out that you're paying five bucks a day, which is like a shitload more than anybody else is paying, the best and the brightest come and try to work for you. So he got, he got to, choose he got to pick up from the the best pool of workers he got to eliminate his turnover problem and the workers got the the highest wages in the country so it, it's a win-win and it doesn't have to be brought about by force and when you do artificially raise the cost of labor like say 15 dollars an hour to, for somebody to flip a burger for somebody to turn on you know put fries on a deep fryer wages are are a function of of like value productivity Right. It, it, you can't just arbitrarily pick a number and say this is what it should be because, you know, everybody has to be able to afford uh, a, a house with three kids and, you know, a, a car or something like that. It, jobs don't exist to provide you with a living. They, they exist to fulfill a need in society. And how important that need is, how valuable it is, and you know how productive you are is reflected in the, in the wage. Right. And when you artificially push that up. You're going to start to get these labor-saving devices, which are are not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's going to suck for those teenage kids now who can't, who don't have any um, entry-level jobs t- to get. But all of these guys that were flipping burgers and and making French fries and things like that, all that labor is now freed up to do something else in society that can't be handled by a robot yet. And this can bring down the cost of the food, the cost to, to the uh, to the employer. Once we get these robots up and running and they're like super efficient and everything like that, it, it could help bring the cost of food down, which would be a nice sort of counterbalance to the inflation problem that is going to be driving the cost of this food way, way up. And the other problem that this is going to solve is the fact that there's a huge labor gap in this area because we're basically paying people to not work right now. I don't see how that goes away anytime soon, especially with the Biden administration. So there's currently apparently 800,000 or so of, of these QSR jobs, this quick service restaurant industry jobs to, to, that are going unfilled right now. And that's the the other beautiful thing about the robot. You know, it's like you don't have to, um, they don't have wants or desires or anything like that. You just build the robot and then it does what you want it to do. It'll fill these jobs. But these things are getting like really, it's not just like this uh, rudimentary arm that, that flips a burger or something like that. Like they have all kinds of innovation that that's taking place they, they prepare the food but they're like self-cleaning they track orders they can adapt in real time to the flow of ingredients and workers throughout the kitchen so this is coming and these um these service sector jobs these these um fast food jobs these are going by the wayside and so you can do your fight for 15 and, and you can try to lobby government to protect your your job and and increase your wage arbitrarily but you're really wasting your time and energy. You'd be far better off learning a new skill that can't be replaced by a, a robot or something like that that can actually provide the amount of value that you'd like to get out of your paycheck. You know, if you want to if you want to make $15 an hour, you have to figure out how to provide $15 an hour worth of value and stop putting your faith in Joe Biden or something to just with the stroke of a pen force people to pay you that because they don't have to pay you that and the market will always find a way to get around 
of these these sorts of problems. They'll find solutions that will not involve overpaying for uh, labor that can be easily replaced. And speaking of food and food prices, uh, we we're starting to see, like I like I talked about, a major increase in the cost of living and just everyday items that that people are buying. And it's not just in the U.S. It, it's a global problem but the um, the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization's food price index increased for an 11th consecutive month in April hitting levels not seen since May of 2014 with sugar prices leading the rise in the main index now that this um, organization is based out of Rome I guess and they have this index where they measure monthly changes for a basket of goods you know kind of like we do with in, with the, the CPI index, right? They take cereal, oil seeds, dairy products, meat, and sugar. They, they surged two points from 118.9 in March to 120.9 in April. Now, that may not seem like a lot, but that's a 30.7% uh, year-over-year jump in the cost of those goods. And these are, you know, these are staples that everybody uses. Meat, dairy, cereals, sugars, and oils, right? Your your cooking oils, vegetable oils, you know, the cost of um there there's been apparently there's been droughts in Argentina, Brazil that have caused the corn prices to increase, the US as well, but you know, they, they always find some sort of ex excuse, right? But you know, if if people are doing their job properly and you're a farmer, you hedge your 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 bets, so to speak. You you prepare for for droughts and things like that, and you and and that's where like the whole market for futures comes into play. But anyway, you know, inflation has been something I, I've talked a lot about on this podcast, and as you know, the inflation is the expansion of the money supply. Now that can manifest itself in a number of ways. One of which is higher prices for the the things that you buy in your everyday life. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, you know. That's one of the reasons why I have such a problem with the the CPI, the uh, the Consumer Price Index, which is how the government measures inflation, and it's just very dishonest because just because a price doesn't increase doesn't mean that there isn't any inflation. There's all sorts of ways that these these industries, you know, you go to the grocery store, they figure out ways to hide the price increase. Maybe the the price stays at five dollars for whatever you're buying. But you get you don't get as much in the box. You know the box is half air, or you don't get as many uh, sheets of paper towels in the paper towel roll from Costco. There's a fourteen percent increase in the cost of that. I saw that the price of lumber is going through the fucking roof, and that has all sorts of repercussions throughout the economy. Uh, think of just everything that you build that involves lumber the the cost of of building a house goes way up so this is going to be a real problem for everyday americans going forward and it's it's something you know when i was talking to the the actual anarchy guys about it it's really hard to avoid inflation when it when it becomes rampant when it's affecting just the everyday items that you buy what do you do how do you how do you survive this? How do you um, protect yourself from inflation? Because the the cost of, of food and, and shelter and things like that, things that you have to buy, you know, gasoline, if these things are, are going to start really ramping up, there, there's going to be a lot of problems for everyday Americans. It just 
the, the things that you do every day are going to become very, very difficult to do. And this can cause a lot of social unrest as well. Uh, I mean, think of, think of all the problems that we have already and how on edge the American people are. And then on top of that, you had the fact that they can't put food on their tables. Uh, that uh, you know the cost of living is going to go up by 10-15% every year or something like that. Um, your, your savings gets wiped out through inflation. You can't afford to put gas in your car. You can't afford to you know feed your kids. These uh, This is a recipe for disaster. It's why inflation is like the most evil hidden tax that the government does. And and now that it's it's starting to become so obvious that the price of all these goods are going up that even like the mainstream news and the and the media or everything like they're starting to ask questions about it like they can't just pretend that there isn't any inflation and they keep asking all of these talking heads at the fed what's going on with inflation you know what do you think of this and the fed keeps insisting that it's transitory now i i still don't even understand what they fucking really mean by that like what are we transitioning to right it's just sort of some way to write off the, the problem. Be like, oh, don't worry. It's just transitory. Just let it play itself out. And they can keep saying that over and over and over again uh, to sort of buy themselves some time. But this is not transitory. The The Federal Reserve has been creating inflation for the last, like, it, obscene amounts of inflation for the last 10, 12 years. We just haven't seen it manifest itself in the cost of everyday items as blatantly as it is right now. And I've talked about that uh, on previous shows, why we didn't see it um, hit, you know, the grocery store as, as much as we did, as much as we are right now. But the idea that this is transitory is absolutely ridiculous. They are, they are completely full of it. And I think they know that. They can't be this stupid, you know, um, but they just can't admit that the this is the effect of their monetary policy because their their entire policy is to create a bunch of cheap money uh quantitative easing expand their balance sheet keep interest rates at virtually zero to entice people to borrow and spend right because they think spending drives economic growth that is ridiculous but if inflation turns out not to be transitory and it's actually here to stay, and it's an immediate consequence of their monetary policy, well, then they would have to address it, right? Like, if they admit that it's not transitory, well, then they have to do something about it, right? And what would they have to do? Well, the exact opposite of what they're doing now. They can't artificially suppress interest rates to keep them really, really low. They'd have to hike interest rates. They'd have to stop buying government bonds and, and mortgage-backed securities through their quantitative easing programs. They'd have to shrink their balance sheet, which is, I think, around $7 trillion now or something like ridiculous like that. And the, the, the truth is they can't do that. They can't do that without destroying this artificial economy that they've created. They've, they've built an economy on inflation so to speak. Like this whole thing is just one gigantic Fed-fueled bubble. And so if they admit that inflation is a problem, they have to reverse course. They have to stop what they're doing and they have to do the exact opposite. And they don't want to do that. Once they do that, the party is really over. And then we start to see the effect of all of this monetary heroin that we've been taking for the last decade. So they tell you it's transitory. Ah, oh, don't worry. It's just, we're just transitioning. Transitioning to what? I have no idea.
Uh, I don't know. I don't know how inflation is trained. It's like, oh, it's just going to be higher for a little bit, and then it's going to go down. Well, why is it going to go down? It's not like they're shrinking the money supply. No, the money supply is growing faster than ever. So why is the inflation going to go down? And what they're talking about is prices, right? And this really drives me crazy and how dishonest they are about this. Increased prices is not inflation, right? Inflation is the expansion of the money supply. It's like it inflate, you know, you uh, expand something like a balloon. It's not increased prices. <laughs> so as long as they are pursuing this monetary policy, the inflation is going to be here to stay. And it can really, really get out of control quickly. Now the 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 whole transitory thing they'll they'll try to tell you that oh the economy's just uh, it's sort of overheating right now it's running a little hot and so once we get through this little hot phase of the economy we transition out of that the inflation will go back down and that that's just another just complete falsehood okay there's I don't even like this this idea of an economy overheating or something like it's an engine and we just uh, you know, stepped on the gas too hard or something. That's not how an economy really works. That's how like a managed economy can work when, you know, you don't really have an economy. You have a central bank that's fueling this thing and they're pouring gasoline on a fire. Okay, that that's it. But that's not an economy. I, I don't know what you call that. But the goal of an economy is to actually bring prices down. And it should, if you have a properly functioning economy and it's running really well, you know, it's overheating, so to speak, prices would be coming down. The, you get more efficient, you find, you know, new ways of doing things, technological advances like the burger flipper would bring the cost of food down. It wouldn't bring the cost of, it wouldn't cause prices to rise. You know, it, it's funny, b before we had the Federal Reserve, right? Um, for you know the hundreds of years leading up to that, uh, once we had like the industrial revolution and everything like that, prices were coming down. You know when you talk to your grandparents or something like that, and maybe you're at like a, a restaurant or a store or something, and they're like, "Oh, I remember when that candy bar used to cost a nickel, and now it's like you know two dollars and fifty cents or whatever a candy bar costs." Well, back before the Federal Reserve, it was the the reverse, the inverse of that. Because it was so hard to produce things, it took so much labor and, and so much, uh, so many resources and time and effort to produce something. Before we had all this, these labor-saving devices and all these technological advancements, it was a lot harder to produce a candy bar than it was after uh, we had all these technological advancements that the free market brought about. So, if you were talking to your grandmother in like 1903. She would be like, oh, I remember when that, that candy bar cost a dime, and now it's five cents. Now it's only a nickel, because prices were coming down the entire time. Prices came down up until we, we got the Federal Reserve with one of their, their goals, you know, their, their bullshit goals of like stable prices, right? Uh, which apparently stable to them, this is another little perverse thing that they do. Stable to them apparently means prices increase by 2% a year. That's their inflation goal, right? Their target is 2%. So, you know, to me and you, normal people with brain cells, stable means unchanged over time. It stays the same. But to the government actors here, stable means increasing by 2% a year. And, you know, since the la the last few years, the way they measured it, it was less than 2%. The fact that we're over 2% right now, that's fine. You know, it's like balancing it out.
and, and it's transitory and it'll go back down. And that, that dude, that is just a bunch of bullshit. That this inflation is going to be here until they actually address it. And there it doesn't look like they're going to. They have to hike interest rates really, really high to sort of combat this inflation like we had to do in uh under Volcker. He had to he had to hike interest rates to almost twenty percent back in the fucking eighties. Could you imagine what interest rates at twenty percent would do to this economy? Just to the the service, the debt of the government? I, I mean there's no way we could do that. There's no way we could do that. Even if interest rates just went up to like historical levels around like five percent, something like that. What's five percent of twenty-eight trillion dollars? Um, that's like the entire federal fucking uh, like all the money that they collect in taxes would go to just paying the debt service on the bonded debt. So this is going to get really, really bad, really, really quickly. You know, inflation—it's one of those things. You know, I love I love this analogy, and I can't I can't remember who uh, originally came up with it. I'd like to give them credit because it's not mine, but it might it might have been. Was it Irwin Schiff? It might have been Peter Schiff's dad that I originally heard it from or something like that. When you have, uh, if you've ever lived in like a shitty apartment or something like that, and the uh, you, you turn on the shower, you turn on the hot water and nothing, it's still cold. So you, you turn it a little more and it's still cold and you're sitting there and you're freezing your ass off and you, you keep turning this hot water knob because you need some hot water. And then there's like this lag. Uh, 30 seconds goes by and then scolding hot water comes and, and burns the shit out of you. And so you, you start turning the, the knob back the other way. Oh, that's too much hot water. Let's turn it off. But it won't stop because there's that lag again. And this is what's going to happen once this inflation starts really getting out of control. There's no way to really turn that um, that hot water off. And we're not gonna, no- you're not gonna notice it until it's too late, until you're actually burned, and, and and it's very hard to sort of put that that toothpaste back in the bottle once it's out. Like they they have to take very drastic measures to sort of save the the currency, and I don't think these politicians have it in them. I mean, these are spineless jellyfish cowards, right? So what what are they gonna do? Are they going to say, yeah, look, our our monetary policy uh, has ruined the country. It's ruined your lives. Uh, I apologize for that. We're gonna make the corrections. Or are they gonna blame capitalism, greed, run amok? We just need to stick it to the rich and and take some more of their money and give it to you guys sort of thing. You you choose which, which path you think they're gonna take. And the Federal Reserve, I mean, they've they've completely painted themselves into a corner. They can't do two things at, at two opposing things at once, right? They can't create this wealth effect through artificially low interest rates and prop up the stock market and and create all the all this cheap money for everybody to go speculate with and feel really rich while simultaneously fighting the problems of inflation. You can't do both. You have to pick one. So if they want to continue this this party that they've they've been drugging everybody to keep everyone high and and thinking everything's great, well then inflation is not going to be transitory at all. It is going to be everywhere. It is going to to hit everyone, and it's going to be very hard to protect yourself against. There are you know certain things that you can do right now to to sort of protect yourself but it, it's going to be hard you know you can buy things that that don't go bad you know uh, non-perishable items that you know you're going to need in the future you can stock up on that sort of stuff alcohol <laughs> razors i don't know what the stuff that you're going to need 
in the future, buy it now if you have the cash because the, the riskiest thing that you could probably be doing right now is just sitting on a bunch of cash. You, ha you have to put it into st stuff that's going to hold its value over time. That, that could be anything, you know, maybe I think the best approach is probably to do a variety of things, you know, stock up on, on stuff that you need that that's not going to go bad bullets. If you can find them, ammunition, alcohol, things like things of that nature. Uh, property is good if you can, if you can afford it and, you know, interest rates are really low right now. So why not just borrow a shitload of money? You can pay it back with, um, d uh, you know, dollars that are worth a lot less than what you borrowed them for. Uh, you can buy gold and silver with some of your, your spare cash that, that holds its value over time. Maybe you want to get some cryptocurrency exposure, things like that. I, I wouldn't put all of your eggs in one basket, but make no mistake about it. Like this, this problem is it's really starting to heat up here. It's not going to be transitory. The only thing that can stop it is to do the exact opposite that we've been doing for the last you know 20 years or something like that and that's going to be painful there's no pain-free solution to this it's not like oh we'll just uh we'll just fight inflation and everything will be hunky-dory no 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 there's a reason they're not doing that that's going to cause a lot of economic pain to a lot of people but at least if we did the right thing and you let market forces take over eventually they will clear all of this crap from the economy and we can start building an economy, so to speak, even though I kind of hate that that turn of phrase as well, but we can start an economy on a, on solid footing instead of perpetuating this this bullshit fantasy world that we're living in right now where we're actually getting sicker and sicker. We're just masking the effects of that until the point where it actually kills us. So the, this this problem is is only going to get worse as long as we continue to have a Federal Reserve that accommodates the these these government policies that this um, profligate government this Leviathan that is spending money like it's going out of style. We have, we have been living way too uh, far beyond our means for too long. These these chickens are coming home to roost. We are going to be the the ones left holding the bag for this, and it's unfortunate. And it's unfortunate that it's going to get blamed on free market capitalism when we have nothing resembling that right now. This is 100% government-made problem, and the only solution to it is to get the government out of the business of regulating the economy, uh, of monetary policy, of all this stuff. Like we, we need free market forces to take over here. There is never a government solution to a government problem. They, they only make things worse. So I, I'm going to wrap there today, guys. I did want to talk about this whole um, Maricopa County lawsuit thing that's been going on. They're trying to audit the, the election results. Maybe we'll save that for next week's episode because I'm running a little longer here than I actually anticipated. So go enjoy your weekend. Spend that money while you can. <laughs> yeah, the only um, One of the only cures for high inflation is high living, as Milton Friedman used to say. So uh, as soon as that money comes in, you got to spend it on something because um, if you don't, the prices are just going to get way too high, way too quickly. So go have some fun. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. Check out our YouTube channel. There's some great uh, little clips in there that need to really get circulated around. Do that and share some clips with some people. And check out the actual Anarchy podcast. I really like those guys. Uh, I, I love what they're doing. It's a cool idea. It's a lot of fun. And if you guys can do all that for me, I will be back next week with a brand new episode for you. 
And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on pedaling that so-called fiction. Peace.